What's up, geeks, and welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast. Today, we got our quick-fire review for the Netflix animated series, Masters of the Universe, Revelation, Part 1. Welcome to Eternia. My name is Justin, and by the power of Grayskull, I have the power! Today, I'm joined by my allies and comrades, Nate Shelton, Kevin Hudson. How we doing? I have the power, okay? Power! Power! <laughs> I'm glad somebody's got the power. I don't have the power. It's one of those, it's one of those Mondays, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, oh, so as I mentioned, we're talking about Netflix's latest animated series, Masters of the Universe, Revelation, Part 1, a five-episode series available now on the streaming platform. But before we get into our thoughts... I thought it would be smart to preface to our listeners that we are not diehard fans of the original series. And for all of us, this is our introduction to this property. Our desire to want to review this series, it comes from our appreciation of the property as part of geek culture and as fans of animated shows in general and of fans of Kevin Smith. So for us, this is a great mixture of everything. So with that in mind, let us journey from Eternia to sub Eternia and get into our thoughts. All right. So uh, now, Nate, being that this was your first exposure to the Masters of Universe series, what were your thoughts of this show, part one of a part two story? I was blown away. I'll be honest with you. I, it's, it's, it's more than I expected. I didn't have too many expectations going into it other than I knew that it was going to be 80s and cheesy and fun. Uh, and so, you know what, something I actually did, and I, I might even recommend this to folks who aren't as familiar with, with He-Man or Masters of the Universe, is I actually watched a couple of documentaries before I jumped into the show. Um, and so I checked out Power of Grayskull, The Definitive History of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, uh, which is on Netflix, as well as The Toys That Made Us, yeah. episode, season one, episode three. Yeah. And... It was just hearing about these guys that <laughs> made this series, uh, made this original toy collection, uh, and just how they happened to fall into the storyline that uh, that encompasses all these crazy named characters, mm. all these really cheesy characters. To me, it, it really helped to set me up so that when we did get those one-liners throughout the entirety of the series, even in parts where it sort of feels a little inappropriate, um, it, it still worked for me. It mm -hmm. still really worked for me. And I got to say, in my mind, this felt very much like The Force Awakens. You know, I could imagine somebody sure. who maybe has never seen a Star Wars movie that watched The Force Awakens. Right. This is the feeling that you're going to get coming into this series if you've not maybe, um, you know, researched or watched some of the original He-Man stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's, that's, a, that's a very good assessment to say that if, if you haven't seen it, this will get you set up for that, right? So, yeah. Kev, I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I know you and I were, were both born after the release of this show. And for myself, I, I was surrounded by, by the toys uh, from, like, my cousins and, and stuff like that. But uh, what was it like jumping into this series, you know, 30 some odd years later. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm mean, i sort of torn uh, with regards to everything. I mean, I don't think I'm nearly as as high on my, you know, praise for the show as, as you guys are. It, it seems like we're a little bit at odds there. Um, I have an uncle on my dad's side who's not much older than me, and mm -hmm. he had every single action figure. And so <laughs> I looked forward to visits with 
that part of my family just so I could get in and play with these toys. Um, and again, I never took that and, and formed a connection with the show sure, yeah. or that really terrible Frank Langella movie. Um, <laughs> it was always just about those toys for me as a kid. Uh, I'd love to get my hands on them to this day. I think they're it's one of the coolest toy lines of all time. They're just some of the coolest action figures. Um, and you were able to sort of make your own stories with them because I didn't have that sort of connection to an actual storyline. Um, but with this show, I don't know. It it definitely grew on me over the course of the five episodes. Mm-hmm. And I certainly think the way that the last episode ended had me going, oh, now I'm really interested for part two. Yeah, right. But it, it took quite a few episodes for me to actually, you know, sort of get into it. I'm not sure. I just, it almost took itself a bit too seriously at times. Like mm. my favorite part of the show were the, the quirky bad guys that only had a few lines here and there, like <laughs> merman and, and, yeah. and uh, triclops. Like those guys were the most fun for me. Cause they were, it was poking fun at them and, and mm-hmm. having some fun at their expense. Uh, that said, it's a terrific cast and they really do, you know, as much as they could with what I think the weakest part of the show was, and that was the the actual dialogue and the writing mm. in that regard. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think we are obviously at opposite ends. I, I think this was a blast. Uh, I was so excited for this, and and again, not because I I was a diehard fan. As I said, I was I was familiar with the toy line. I, I didn't read the comics or watch the show. But more because of the animation style. I, I love the animation style, very anime inspired. I love it. And the fact that Kevin Smith was involved, who's like King Geek, you know, and seeing his take <laughs> on, on He-Man yeah. and, and Master of the Universe, it, it was a huge part, right? So, um, you know, and, and that being said, Smith is a diehard fan of, of the original. And from that passion has comes like this, this super well-crafted, uh, mature animated series with, with with a story that has has a sense of drama to it. It has it has uh, uh, stakes. It ha- it has some some things that are, make it really really interesting, um, and you can see that the story is is inspired from the original material. Um, but delivers a very fantastically connective narrative that is meant to expand on, on the original lore. And I think it definitely does from from what I know of the original lore. But I also think the other thing to consider as well is. You know, when you've got Sarah Michelle Gellar, Lena Headey from Game of Thrones, Liam Cunningham from Game of Thrones, Thrones, Mark Hamill in this show delivering these incredible, like these, these really cheesy dialogue to your point, Kevin, but with their voices, they bring it, they elevate it, I find. They elevated all of the dialogue for me, and that's what kept me really intrigued and really into it, and it's also what just made it somewhat more believable again we're talking about characters that are the are are literally they were made to sell toys so they're they're ridiculous they're insane but the way that they they sort of uh modernize them for today's audiences while still keeping this show working for i think relatively uh, most ages um i don't know man i i really I was so sh- taken aback by all that. I, I was thinking too, like the dialogue is a bit cheesy and a bit stale at times. And I feel like that's where that 80s nostalgia comes from. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like is it's infused in that. And then the the sort of narrative and art, 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 artistry of it is so today. And like that that sort of connective narrative, it feels like today. But the dialogue and, and the cheesy banter and, and the that stuff, that felt very 80s to me. I just, I I think what I struggled with the most was be- because it was rated PG, you know, for, f- for a show that I think 
primarily was going to be targeting people in their 30s who would have grown up with the original toy line and and that cartoon and maybe even the comics it it i think it would have benefited from being a bit more adult in some ways even a pg-13 Poor, rating yeah, might have yeah. allowed them to do a bit more with the the action and the on-screen yeah. fighting that just it kept it a bit kiddish and so you know, it's it, it certainly helps that now the people that did grow up with the show are going to be able to introduce it to their kids and they're going to be able to watch it together. And so if that was That's the intention here, yeah, yeah. you know, then then I can understand the point. But it just it felt a bit too much like a kid's show to really be able to invest myself into it. It's funny that you say that because that is my biggest gripe with Avatar The Last Bender is that it's too it's too kiddish. Right. And to me, this is where that sort of fantastical sort of anime fusion style finds itself. I, I think another fantastic element uh, of the story is how He-Man is, is, is relatively secondary to the, in this narrative. Sure. And, and it really does set up these other secondary characters to be primary and kind of finding their own power, right? Like finding their own voice. And, and I think that, that that's really cool about this show too. It's not just centered on, on that. It, it does try to round out this, this complex character base. Right. And Kevin, I mean, listen, I do think that I agree with you because coming from coming from the Castlevania team uh, that did the Castlevania anime on Netflix, you would expect to see a little bit more uh, blood and, and for mm. it to be maybe a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more gruesome. gruesome. But I do think that in the sense of it growing up. The narrative that you're calling out, Justin, absolutely has helped it to grow up. The voice acting has helped it to mm-hmm. grow up. And also the music. I got to shout out the sure, music. Yeah, Bear dude. McCreary, who does the score, is just fantastic the way that he takes the original song and weaves it in and out throughout like Man of Arms theme and, and stuff like that. It's just it's I just fell in love with it. And I do think that those are the ways that this series elevates it. And so for me, that still works as much as I would love to see the the, the gore in, the, in some of the action scenes i do think that it's it's making itself grow up with those other uh factors i, I will say you know one thing that what that that did kind of work for me was the narrative direction they took it in uh in that i think if they did focus simply on he-man who is by all intents and purposes a pretty you know it's a pretty lopsided battle anytime he's involved right he's <laughs> sure yeah he's kicking some serious butt and that would get pretty old pretty quickly and so i love that yeah, they 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 instead go with a storyline that focuses on a very unlikely alliance. I think that made it very fresh and that made it, you know, for for fans of the original series and for new people, it was something. Yeah, again, where the, where the like you said right at the top, there were stakes and and y- you didn't really know what the fate of these characters was going to be, and so kudos in that regard. And I think this was a fairly well told story. That I think we're going to get a very different story. I think in part two, uh, obviously with everything that happened there in episode five, you know, I think I bet you there are people who've waited thirty years to see what happened there, you know, and so uh, it was cool for us as sort of newcomers, but I'm sure it was even that much cooler for diehard original fans. I, really quickly, did you guys get a chance to check out the the quick twenty five minute documentary on yeah. the making of it? Yeah. And and so like you could just see how much fun Lee and Cunningham definitely had playing yeah. this character, and he compares it to Davos and saying how whereas Davos can't fight at all, Man at Arms <laughs> was was the the sort of badass of this show. Like anytime he came in for an action scene, it was like so yeah, good. tear it yeah. up, man, yeah. yeah. Well, it looks like we conquered our fears and are ready to venture to pre-Eternia as we wrap this up. But before we get to our final thoughts, a question for you guys. Other than He-Man, 
Uh, which of the characters that we've met so far would you want as your guide through Eternia and why? Oh, man, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to go with I'm actually going to go with man at arms for this one. I just Aww. think he's just so he's so like. He's just so lovely and, and you cool. know from and cool. Like, and if he has Davros's voice, I'd be totally Davros's down. voice. And I, what I would have him do is I would just be like on those really cold nights after a long battle. I would just hand him, him a book and just be like, "Can oh. you can you read this to me?" And he'll but it, he'll turn to me and be like, "I can't read, son." Or whatever. I'm like, no, it's Davos. Um, spoilers for Game of Thrones. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think Man at Arms for me. I mean, that was going to be my answer, but uh, my my close second, um, Evelyn. Um, yeah. A like super hot, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, and and not nearly as as uh, evil as maybe you might think. I don't know. Yeah, um, she was she was. Uh, I think she was my favorite character. Just you know, through this part of the adventure, and she's got a great line right towards the 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 end of the last episode and the end of this part here, where she sort of bids farewell to some people. And I just thought like that was a a really fun moment for her character and yeah so i really enjoyed that um yeah um i went a little obscure i went with uh, orko he's bumbling and corky but i feel like he would you know keep me safe with spells not in a fighting way but like probably like in a cloaking way like hide us um and also i think a close second if he, if, if you know he, he was not around i would probably go to roboto uh yeah, justin long's justin voice, long. voice would, would be <laughs> would be not so bad so yeah. um okay guys uh let's see if we can finish this thing off strong with our final thoughts in a segment we like to call would ya would ya All right, now, being that this is our first introduction to this property, would you recommend this to others who have not seen the series yet, and why? I would. I think, as I mentioned earlier, it it reminds me so much of The Force Awakens. Even some of the things that I had problems with where they're like, that's a story for another time or whatever, like throughout the series. Um, a couple times they did it. I'm just like, oh yeah, Star Wars The Force Awakens literally did that too. There are so many parallels that I can draw to one of my favorite uh, movies from one of my favorite series. And, and it's just funny that how the original toy line really came about because of uh, the whole situation with with the Star Wars action figures uh, as their main competitor. So um, so it is just funny to kind of see that those parallels in this. Uh, yeah, 100% I would. I think the, again, the voice acting, um, I think if you have a problem with a lot of puns and in-jokes, maybe do a little bit of research ahead of time. Maybe, you know, if you can't handle it, go back, watch some of these documentaries, maybe watch a few of the original episodes. And if you fall in love with that cheesiness, awesome. You're going to love it here. If not, it might not be the, the best thing for you. Yeah. But I just have to say, like, the way that they they really, we talk about it all the time, confidence. This series has confidence. It knows what mm. it wants to do and it achieves it's it. True. And it doesn't it doesn't change the characters dramatically in terms of how they look just because it's cheesy. When we see Man at Arms, you know, kicking ass, he's got a massive giant gun on his shoulder that's like a toy. It looks like a toy and it and it just really helps to kind of 
bring back that that nostalgia of what it was like to watch a cartoon as a kid while still being elevated as an adult property with everything that I mentioned in terms of the acting and the music. Kev, would you recommend this to someone who hasn't seen the series? I'm kind of wondering if I have benefited from seeing some of the um, shows that Nate mentioned earlier, Um, primarily for myself, the the Toys That Made Us episode really does explain a lot of the backstory. And so you sort of... But that being said, I don't think it's too complex of an idea that if you were just tuning into this for the first time, by the end of episode one, you've 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 figured out pretty much who these people are and what's going on. Like it's easy enough to just sort of jump in if this is your first exposure to the characters and the story. And again, I think the 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 smartest thing they did was tell a fresh story. Right. They didn't just tell another story about He-Man against right. Skeletor. It was a, a new story. They took it in a new direction. And so, again, I think that works for old fans and for new fans alike. Yeah, I 100% agree uh, with everything you guys are saying. Probably the only thing I wouldn't agree with is is that maybe... like I feel like the, the toys that we made us and the, and the other doc that you referred to do give a real nice history background as to how master of the universe came to be doesn't really outline the history of the show as much as it would outline let's say the simplicity of the story which it does in episode one in episode one it gives you the simplest way of understanding the story without a headache of having an overloaded extensive history it's good versus evil eternia gray skull snake mountain you know boom it's all there for you and and from that you know kevin smith and his writing team have infused the nostalgia of what really made the masters of the universe special in the series with with storytelling that does have strong consequences and to nate's point it it's it's confident and it's intentional it has intention to what it's doing now as mentioned this is is less about he-man and it's more of uh, about the secondary characters and i think that that was another really really great part of this story it helps really elevate the characters around him whereas i think in the original cartoons it was just he-man and skeletor um However, I think it's safe to say that most of us know who He-Man is as an icon, so it is a refreshing take for them to to misdirect. It has a strong visual style, outstanding voice acting, rock-solid score, leading the series that delivers a true revelation for this property, opening the doors for the future of what this could be for more for more stories in, in the Master of Universe saga, if you will. So, yeah, I, I loved it, and I would totally recommend, if you, ha- if you haven't seen it, it, this is the perfect thing for you to watch. If anything, it might inspire you to go watch the old ones after. And I and I will just say really quickly, if you're at all fan a fan of toys or collectibles yes. or collections, watch the little twenty five minute documentary that they sort of do with all the voice actors and Kevin mm-hmm. Smith that follows the series because the background set dressings and the collection they have behind them was like I was drooling looking at Dude. that. Like I was oh. almost more distracted by that than I was what the 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 actors were saying themselves because it was dope the the toys that made us that that episode is really really great so i i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna watch that now um after watching that documentary because i love that episode it really does like to your point nate it shows how it's just it was such a backwards approach to how the story came to be and i think that that's what's amazing about the history of of master of the universe and i do think honestly hearing those stories of how these characters came together and how sort of haphazardly it happens 
it, it really does set you up to understand that sure. when you have characters like Stinkor yeah. and Evil Lynn and Man at Arms and Orko and Cringer, you know, these are Beast things where you Man. can start to, you, you can, yeah, you can start to forgive the series for, for having and these sort of silly... understand where it comes these, from. Exactly. You yes. get that that yeah. understanding yeah. that it's it's the eighties and they're yeah. they're they're making money. Yeah. And so And they're making so it up as to, they go because kids were, were just like they wanted the action figure more yes. than they wanted that. So yes, a hundred percent has our approval. We would recommend it to those who have not seen it. So there you have it. Another episode of Quick Fire Reviews done. Thank you for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love and we have tons of content for you to enjoy from reviews to interviews and just plain old chat. Also, we want to know, have you checked out the series? Are you looking forward to part two or are we totally wrong about this show? Let us know at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. We'd also love if you check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric and on Twitter at geekcentricyt. And we're always around on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Kevin, Nate, and everyone listening, you are the true champions. And until next time, peace. <laughs>